0: till the end the rock of my salvation on christ i will depend my hope is jesus my hope is jesus when darkness hides my savior's face i rest on his unchange When faith is weak and doubt is strong, I still lift up salvation's song. My hope is Jesus, the anchor of my soul, the ruler of this universe, the one who's in control. He saved me and he will keep me till the end. The rock of my salvation. On Christ I will depend. My hope is Jesus. My hope is Jesus. On Christ the solid rock I stand. Trumpet sound. trumpet sound Oh may I then oh, in him be found, be found Dressed in his righteousness alone thoughtless to stand before the throne My hope is Jesus The anchor of my soul The ruler of this universal in control he saved me and he will keep me till the end the rock of my salvation on christ i will depend my hope is jesus and he will keep me till the end the rock of my salvation on christ i will depend and my hope is jesus my hope is Jesus, my hope is Jesus, my hope is Jesus,
1: good, good, Acts chapter 20, Acts chapter 20, man, I like that one. That's a good one. What a message, amen? I tell you, when our songs stop feeding us a little bit of doctrine and giving us what we need to hear and they just start making us feel good all the time, we got an issue. We want songs that are going to feed us, not just make us feel good. Boy, that was a good, some feeding right there. That's good. Smorgasbord. I'll say a buffet, I guess. Some call them buffets. I don't. <laughs> I don't know about you. I, I don't do well with buffets anymore. I used to do really good with them, man. I'd go in there and just kill them. Now I go in there and I fill up too fast. Isn't that terrible? The older you. I don't know about you. Some of you, maybe older folks, you don't have a problem with that. But it seems the older I get, the it's harder to eat. I had to, like I say, I had to work up to Thanksgiving. I was doing, you know, four days, you know, trying to build up the stomach, spread it, expand it a little bit, get ready for Thanksgiving. And now I'm paying for it because. I'm still eating a lot more than I should, and the other day, I, there was this pizza, and my wife said, did you eat the whole pizza? I said, yeah, I ate the whole thing. <laughs> that's probably a lot for, you know, somebody that works indoors and sits down for their, their you know, so that's not good, right? A whole pizza isn't a good idea, but, uh, well, I've, ex- I've, I've, I've worked out. I've expanded my stomach, so here I am. I'm a byproduct of my efforts, and so anyway, <laughs> Acts chapter 20, all right, Acts chapter 20, Begin in verse 7, all right? Acts chapter 20, verse 7. The Bible says, And upon the first day of the week, when the disciples came together to break bread, Paul preached unto them, ready to depart on the morrow, and continued his speech unto midnight. There were many lights in the upper upper chamber where they were gathered together. And there sat in a window a certain young man named Eutychus, being fallen into a deep sleep. And as Paul was long preaching, he sunk down with sleep and fell down from the third loft and was taken up dead. And Paul went down and fell on him and embracing him said, trouble not yourselves, for his life is in him. When he therefore was come up again and had broken bread and eaten and talked a long while even till break of day, so he departed and they brought the young man alive. And we're not a little comforted. The church would meet on the first day of the week, and uh, as was the custom in that day, it's still the custom in our day. We were encouraged to and instructed to meet on the first day of the week now. Obviously, the Jewish believers under Judaism would meet on a Saturday. We as believers meet on a Sunday, the first day of the week. And so Paul is meeting with the believers. He's preparing to leave in the morning. Now most of us, if we were preparing to leave in the morning, would say, well, I need to make it an early night i got to get back home and I need to pack up a few things and I need to prepare myself for that early rise because I know I'm going to get started in the morning and so I want to be prepared to leave. So I can't stick around too long. Paul said, you know what? There's a few things more important than a little sleep. There's a few things more important than getting the rest that my body may say I need. There's a spiritual need here that needs to be met. And So Paul, he's preaching now. Preaching long, by the way. It's midnight, and there's a young man that's sitting in the window, and he falls asleep and falls out three stories to his death. It's important to understand that apostles were endowed with certain abilities and certain gifts. These gifts confirmed their authority and their heavenly credentials. These apostolic gifts ceased upon the completion of the Word of God, Look, if you would, in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 8. Today, we have those running around our country claiming that they can raise people from the dead or they can heal and do all of these apostolic gifts. My friend, that is not the case at all. Watch what the Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 8. It says there, charity never faileth, But whether there be prophecies, they shall fail. Whether there be tongues, they shall cease. Whether there be knowledge, it shall vanish away. For we know in part and we prophesy in part. But when that which is perfect is come, then that which is in part shall be done away. Now, Christ had already come by the time Paul is now preaching this truth in Acts chapter 20. But can I tell you what had not been assembled, what had not been canonized, what had not been completed yet is the Word of God. And can I tell you that the book that you hold in your hand and the book that I hold in my hand is complete and it is perfect. And when that which is perfect is come, And that which is done in part will be done away with. And can I tell you there's no need for the apostolic gifts today because we have a completed and perfect Word of God. So Paul descends upon the youth and revives him. What a miracle that day. An amazing miracle. The congregation is not just a little comforted. They are majorly comforted. They are really comforted. They're so excited that Paul the Apostle takes his place behind the pulpit again and begins to preach the word of God into the wee hours of the night and finishes at the break of day. Isn't that something? How is it that Eutychus fell out of the window? Well, he fell asleep. I know. But how did he fall to his death? I mean, he obviously was leaning more out of the window than in. In whatever direction you are leaning, that is the direction you will fall. I wonder which way are you leaning this morning? Are you leaning toward God or are you leaning away from Him? Are you in or out of the will of God Are you all in? Are you all out? Are you leaning toward or away from God? Which way are you leaning? And which way you're leaning will determine which way you'll fall if you fall. Do you know that a tree will fall whatever way it's leaning? Whichever side the bulk of the weight is leaning, that's the side the tree's going to fall to. You know, you can notch a tree, and that's important to do, and it's absolutely necessary, really, if you're going to bring it down. And that'll aid it in falling the direction you want it to fall. But I'll tell you this, if it's weighed, overweighted on one side or another, you better be careful. You better trim that tree out, because whichever side it's leaning is the side it's going to fall. I decided to cut a tree down in my front yard. Now, I had a bunch of trees when it all began, and I did a tree cleansing. Some people like to do those cleansings. They eat all that stuff and cleanse their colon. I do tree cleansings. But our house and our yard was filled with trees, the backyard filled with trees. And I'm telling you, we, I got to cutting those trees out. Man, if we would cut sin out of our life the way I cut those trees down, we wouldn't have a lick of it in our life. I looked over this tree in the front yard and I mean, I'd I'd gotten pretty good at cutting trees down, right? I'd cut a number of trees down. And I knew I could tell by looking at it was leaning toward the street. Now, the street, there, of course, there were those electric lines running on the other side of the street, but this was a big tree, probably 40, 50 feet in the air. And I wanted to drop it. Front yard. I had this skinny little narrow area. I had to drop the tree over there. And and I thought, if I can just drop that tree there, I'm good to go. I don't want it falling into the road, though. Man, can you imagine a car coming by? Wham. And so I decided to cut the tree down. This is my most challenging tree to date, obviously. And I began to cut it. Everything was going good when all of a sudden, instead of that Instead of it falling toward the opening that I wanted it to go, it started to go toward the street. And it shifted back, and so my soul that was in there cutting got clamped in there. I mean, it was crushed in there. That tree had shifted, and my, my blade was stuck so tight, I couldn't get out if I wanted to. I couldn't have done anything to get it out of there. So I find myself making my way across the street over to the neighbors. I said, listen, you got a, a chainsaw I can borrow? I got my saw stuck. And her husband wasn't home. She said, sure. And she was attending our church at the time. And, uh, and she was oh, she said, sure, preacher, go ahead. She gave me a saw, and I went back over to the house, and she followed. She had to see what was going on. She was that kind of neighbor. <laughs> I'll be honest with you. I'd have been that kind of neighbor, too, after hearing the story I told her. And she came on over, and at that point, I had, a, I had gone into the garage, and I'd gotten me a long rope. And this, I should have done this before, I've learned. I should have tied the tree off before I started cutting, not after. And so I tied the tree off over to this big old tree over here, all the way across to this tree now that's now leaning the wrong way. Here I am, cutting, stuck. What do I do? I'm going to have to top this tree out. i got to get rid of that weight. It's going to fall right into that, that, that opening. I mean, I'm in trouble, man. It's going to fall through those lines, and I'm going to have a big bill to pay. It's going to wreck a car, and I hope it doesn't kill somebody. So I'm climbing up and getting my ladder, and I extend it out about 20 feet. I climb up into that tree, and, and I'm telling my wife, now listen, you and, and, and Vicky, you hold on to that line for dear life. You put some pressure on it, so as it starts to cut, it'll pull it. So I got up there and I started cutting. And all of a sudden, now I have two pivot points. And that thing shifted again. And when it shifted, it knocked my ladder out. And I held on for dear life as this thing was. And my wife and Vicky are now no longer... On the ground, they're hanging onto a rope that's stretched across. And they're hanging up there, holding on, going, ah! I'm like, let go! What are you doing? you got to help me here. (laughs) So they let go and fall to the ground. I said, get that ladder. I'm hanging here. I'm going to die. I'm going to kill myself up here. My wife gets a ladder, and they put it up there against the tree. And I'm able to kind of get my footing again, and I finally get a hold of that. (laughs) I climbed back down, and, and again, I, I have pretty much blacked out this rest of this story. It's one of those things, you know, when you get in a bad accident, you don't remember. But I do recall, if I recall correctly, I, I went down and I thought, well, it's too late. I can't do anything about this at this point. Where it falls, it falls. And I cut that rope, and I told you, you can't let no cars come down because that don't kill nobody. Cut that rope, and that tree fell down, and it missed those lines. Landed in the street, but it missed the lines. Do you know, just like that tree, you'll fall to whatever side you're leaning. You may reason that you can somehow defy gravity, but rest assured you're not going to. Whichever side you're leaning is the side you will fall. Now some think, you know, I'll never fall. I'm just not going to fall. Really? Hmm. You know, I was 28 years of age, and I was full of life, spitting vinegar, man. I mean, to tell you, I was a... I mean, you think I'm a specimen of health now. You should have seen me then. 28 years old. Now, I was at a church, and at that time, I hadn't started pastoring yet. I was over at this church. We were just helping out at this church at the time, and, and uh, I, we happened to be driving the van. So for the services, we'd go pick people up, bring them on in, do all of that stuff. And I remember that I'd parked the van over there away from things a little bit. Hey, listen, it was funny. I was 28 years old. I didn't need to park close. I let some of the old people park close, right? That's how we were taught in those days. And so even though I drove the church van, we parked a long ways. And I stuck it down there at the end of the parking lot down there, at least a couple good 40, 50 feet away from the entrance, maybe, you know, five, six different rows. And so I remember still, uh, after church was over, I'd pick up the van, I'd drive it out underneath that carport, and I'd pick the people up and head home. This was a bad night. It was snowing like crazy. There wasn't even that many people at the church because everybody stayed home. But in those days, remember how you'd go to church anyway? Just thought I'd throw that in. And so we got there and we trusted God to get us safely. We still ran the van even. And here the van's parked. Here the people are waiting for a pickup. And I took off running out the back door like I did every single time. I'm young. I'm nimble. I, I mean, I am like the flash. And I hit that door running. Boom, I was gone. And all of a sudden, before I knew it, my feet came out from underneath me. I mean, I'm not talking about I was jogging. I would run a full blast. I mean, it was like, I got a job to do. I'm getting it done now. But boy, when my feet come out from underneath me, I didn't just fall or slide. I literally came out, and it tipped my back toward there, and I hit on the back of my back and my neck, right onto that pavement. It was so hard. It was just solid ice. And I don't know if I was knocked out. I don't know if I was just, I I don't even know what happened. All I know is when my eyes opened back up, I was in so much pain, I was just paralyzed. I couldn't even move. To this day, I do not walk on pavement the same way. I walk on it differently than I did in those days. I never walk on pavement. I never run like I used to run on pavement when it's icy out. I learned a valuable lesson (laughs) To this day, I feel the pain. I still feel that. You say, that's crazy. Well, wait till you're my age and you do something when you're young. You'll feel it. I never thought for a moment I'd fall out in that parking lot. Didn't even cross my mind. But I did. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians ten twelve. Wherefore, let him that thinketh he stand to take heed lest he fall. You say, oh, I won't fall, preacher. Really? I didn't think I would either. Most Christians are going to be blindsided by Satan at some point in their life. Their health will get them down. Their finances will trip them up. Or a relationship will discourage them, causing them to hit bottom. Will those difficult times in your life cause you to draw ever closer to the master, or are they going to cause you to become and fall away from him. I don't know what happened to Eutychus. I don't know why he fell asleep. I don't know the reason for it. I don't know if he just was tired from the night before. I don't know if he wasn't feeling good. I don't understand exactly what happened, but what I do know is he was leaning the wrong way, and when he fell, it wasn't good. See, he was leaning out instead of in. Can I ask you, are you leaning out or leaning in? Are you leaning toward the master or are you leaning away? Let me give you three ways you can tell which way you're leaning. First of all, I want you to turn to John chapter 1. John chapter 1. I'm going to give you three ways you can tell which way you're leaning. Then I want to talk to you a little bit about what can you do about it. So let's talk a little bit today. Let's try to learn something, if we can, that will help us in the future. First of all, in John chapter 1, verse 6, the Bible says, There was a man sent from God whose name was John. It's talking about John the Baptist. The same came for a witness to bear witness of the light that all men through him might believe he was not that light but was sent to bear witness of that light that was the true light which lighteth every man that cometh into the world now earlier we know that the bible says in the word uh, that that in the beginning was the word and the word was uh, made, in the beginning was the word and the word was god and, uh, blah, blah, blah. man i'll tell you what i'm losing my mind here sorry about that that's frustrating That's called age. See what happens when you fall? (laughs) It has shaken me up to this day. (sighs) If only that was the real reason. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. The context of the passage is Jesus Christ. And what it's saying here is that Jesus Christ is the light then. Now, I want you to see how, uh, you know, how we're to respond to the light because it's important how we respond to light. Look, if you would, in chapter 3 of John, verse 19. So we see that Jesus is the true light. But notice here in John chapter 3, verse 19, the Bible then addresses the issue again of light. And notice it says, and this is the condemnation, that light is come into the world, and men love darkness rather than light. Who's the light according to John 1? Jesus Christ, the Bible says that light is coming to the world, Jesus Christ, and men love darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. For everyone that doeth evil hateth the light, neither cometh to the light, lest his deeds should be reproved, but he that doeth truth cometh to the light, that his deeds may be made manifest, that they are wrought in God. So the, the point is, is that Jesus Christ is the light. Now, I don't know about you, but you know, what I find is in many cases is that people have a tendency to shy away from light in a spiritual context. Why do we shy away from the light? Jesus Christ is the light. Why is it that we shy away from Christ? Why is it we don't want to lean toward him? Could it be because it exposes who we really are? It, it reveals to us and to others our sin. It, does make, it causes us to see ourselves in a very poor light, so to speak. The Bible tells us that this is the condemnation, that light is coming to the world, but men love darkness rather than light. So, number one, if you don't look forward to church, you're leaning out. Remember, Christ is the light. In a local church, we come together at God's house, and guess what we find in the church if it's the kind of church it ought to be? It's light. We have to enter into a place where light is being manifest, where light is being pointed to. The messages are rooted in Scripture, and it points us to Jesus Christ. As a matter of fact, in John chapter 5, verse 39, the Bible says, search the Scriptures For in them ye think ye have eternal life, and they are they which testify of me. Every time you open this precious book, every time you dig into the word of God, my friend, it's revealing to you Jesus Christ. And may I say that Christ is not only perfect, but he's the light of the world. And every time you get into this book, it reveals your sin in comparison to a perfect holy Savior. It's been said sin will keep you from the Bible, or the Bible will keep you from sin. Boy, if you struggle to be in church, then I want you to know you're leaning in the wrong direction. And if you fall, it's not going to be good. If you can tell me today that, you know what, I'm struggling. I struggled to get here today. It's not because I feel so bad. It's not because my car broke down. It's just because I've not found myself too excited about the house of God lately. I'd much rather stay home. I'd much rather relax. I'd much rather get some more rest. I'd rather sleep in. I'd rather pull the covers over my head on a cold day like this. My friend, you are leaning the wrong way. You're leaning out. You're not leaning in. Boy, we need to recognize the great need of the church and everything about it in our lives. And we need to not only be obedient to attending it, but be anxious to do so. And as we draw closer to the return of the Lord Jesus Christ, it's going to become more and more difficult to remain focused and to remain faithful. And that's why the church is proving to be so important in our lives now. Hebrews 10.25 says not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another and so much the more as you see the day approaching. Let me ask you, do you look forward to the preaching or does it put you to sleep? If it doesn't excite your soul and move your spirit, then you are leaning out today. If you receive little or no encouragement in the faith, my friend, you will find yourself leaning the wrong direction. If not now, soon it will take place and you will surely fall out of the will of God instead of into the arms of God. You say, well, I'll not fall. Yes, you will, just like Eutychus. I bet you Eutychus didn't even think about it. He was a young man, and the fact is, he's sitting up there thinking, you know what? I'll never fall. That window, people are probably like, now, stay away from the window, son. Oh, no problem. I'm good to go. You know how it is back on, you know, when you go watch a football game when we used to be allowed to? And you'd sit on the back, back bleacher, and your parents were like, get down off the back bleacher. No, you're going to fall off the back end. You get down one. I can see her, but be- hey, Eunicus, Eunicus, get down off there. I got this, mama. Yeah, you got it all the way d- down. <laughs> Splat. Three stories down. <laughs> if you're not looking forward to church, my friend, you're leaning out. Number two. How do you know if you're leaning out? If you don't look forward to spending time alone with just you and God, you're leaning out. Well, the Bible tells us that Christ is the light. In John chapter eight, verse 12, the Bible says, then spake Jesus again unto them saying, I am the light of the world. He that followeth me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of life. Man, I'm gonna tell you something. As we look at this precious book, it's a perfect book. Yes, it's a book of light. Every day you wake up and every day I wake up. We ought to be anxious to get into the presence of light. The Bible told us over here in the book of John, it made it very clear to us that if we're not seeking out the light, then there's a problem in our spirit, in our soul. Because it says, and this is the condemnation that light is coming into the darkness and men love darkness rather than light. Why would I not want to be in the light? Why would I not want to read the word? Why would I not want to be on my knees? I'll tell you why. Because you're leaning the wrong direction. Because everyone that doeth evil hateth the light, neither cometh to the light, lest his deed should be reproved. You know, we gotta start calling it what it is. We gotta stop making all kinds of excuses. We gotta start dealing with the real problems. And my friend, if I don't love the house of God, if I don't love the word of God, if I don't wanna be in the presence of God, then what's wrong with me? I don't wanna be around light. And if you don't wanna be around the light, there's a reason for it. And biblically, it's because you're trying to hide something. We're not anxious to enter his presence daily. We're leaning the wrong direction, and it's just a matter of time before we fall out of his will. Number three, signs that you're leaning the wrong way. If you don't cultivate Bible-friendly relationships, you're leaning out. Proverbs chapter 13, verse 20 says, He that walketh with wise men shall be wise, but a companion of fools shall be destroyed when the believer chooses to enter into relationships and friendships with people who have don't have the same ideas, the same philosophies, the same biblical principles in which they live by, they're asking for trouble. I'm not talking about a relationship that seeks to try to gain us influence to in a life so that we can lead them into the light. I'm talking about relationships that simply feed our flesh. Relationships that just, I'm comfortable with him. Relationships that I enjoy being with them. Yeah, but do they always think the way they ought to? Are they believers? Do they think like believers? Do they live like believers? Do they embrace the biblical statutes and biblical truths? The kind of friends that you choose and the relationships you cultivate will go a long way to determining which direction you're leaning. And a believer needs others who are like-minded. You develop the right kind of friends. That's imperative. That's so, that is so essential. Don't allow yourself to be surrounded by those who do not embrace your faith and your focus. Well, they're a Christian, I know, but listen, a Christian that's attending the bar, a Christian that's going out into the world and living in sin, my friend, you're only gonna go down. You will not bring them up. You're leaning, my friend. And you're not leaning toward, you're leaning away. You're not leaning where when you fall, you fall into the arms of Jesus. You're leaning, you'll fall out of the will of God. So we've noted three ways to tell which way you're leaning. Now, what, what do we need to do about it? Number one, slow down long enough to ask and answer the question which way am I leaning? I'm telling you, we live in a society and a culture that is on the move all the time. COVID is supposed to have slowed it all down. Remember, we're all quarantined to the house. It seems like some are working from home now where they didn't before. It's like we got all this extra time. We got time to buy televisions and time to get on Netflix. We got time to go to the store and and buy. I mean, you couldn't even get a trampoline. The things at the house, there were people spending so much time at home where once they were out ramming and running all the time, now we've got... Because of stimulus money, money to buy things for the house. What happened to our spirituality, though? We're putting additions on our homes. We're adding to our budgets. We're including more entertainment. But we're not getting more God. What's going on here? We're leaning the wrong way. And I'm just saying this. Slow down long enough to ask the question, which way am I leaning? Actually ask yourself those questions. Am I leaning in or out? You may want to even include God on that. Lord, I kind of feel pretty good about me, but am I leaning in or out? I'm listening. I'm not talking now. I'm listening, God. Number two. Compare where you are with where you have been. I mean, are you leaning more or less toward Christ now than you were in the past? How many times do we hear things like, Well, I used to teach Sunday school. I used to run a bus. I used to work in a nursery. I used to sing in a choir. I used to go soul winning. What's wrong? What happened? I understand if health has given out I understand if you can't do some of those things and I realize at the age of 57 I'm not 28 anymore I get it but my friend let me ask you a question why in the world is your spirituality going the wrong direction because spirituality isn't based on just simply what you do it's who you are I wonder are you Closer? Are you leaning more toward the Lord, toward the word, toward the church, and toward godly friends than you've ever leaned? Or are you leaning the other direction more now? Has there ever been a time in your life when you were closer to Jesus than you are now? Because if there was, then more than likely you're leaning out. And if you are leaning in, you got some ground to catch up with. Number three... So slow down long enough to ask the question. Compare where you are and where you've compared to where you've been. Number three, stop justifying your misdirected lean. Do you know excuses are never going to correct the problem? Well, you know, preacher, I've just been too busy. Work's got me overwhelmed. And, you know, I just can't seem to get in my Bible. I just can't seem to pray anymore. You know, and and my relationship with my, my spouse has been difficult. We're like two ships passing in the night. We don't have time for anything. I just can't seem to get a handle on this thing. Excuses, excuses, excuses. You say, you don't know what you're talking about. If you had to live my life, you would learn. I'll trade you. But I need the same grace God would give you to travel in your life. I can't do it with the grace he gives me. i got to have the grace he gives you. And then you would need the grace that God gives me to travel mine. See, if you're going to carry my cross, you need the grace God gives me to carry it. See, it's stupid to go around saying, well, if you just wear my cross, you'd understand. No, because God gives you different grace. It's not fair. It's not fair to compare my burden to your burden. It's not fair for you to compare your burden to mine. It's, not, it's apples and oranges, friend, because I still need the grace of God. You can't do what you're supposed to do without His grace, and I can't do what I'm supposed to do without His grace. Like, I'll trade you. Yeah, I'll trade you, but it won't matter. But I better have your grace or I'll just be crushed. But don't tell me you can't handle it because God wouldn't give you any more than you can handle, and He won't give me any more than I can handle. Those are excuses why we don't get into our Bible. There's excuses why we don't want to be in the light. That's excuses why we don't want to hear from heaven. Well, I love God. Do you love God's house? Do you love God's people? Do you love God's word? Stop justifying your misdirected leans. And if you're leaning out, stop justifying. Stop making excuses. Just admit, because that's the next one. Admit to yourself first and then to God that you're leaning out more than in. Take the time to evaluate, ask the question, and then compare where you are with where you've been. And then once you figure it out, if you somehow believe or feel like maybe I am leaning out, stop coming up with excuses why you are. Just admit to yourself, I'm leaning out. And God, I gotta admit, I'm not where I belong. And if I fell right now, I would not fall into your will. I'd fall out. I wouldn't fall into your arms. (laughs) I'd fall further away. It wouldn't make me better if I fell. It'd make me bitter. Admit to yourself first, then to God, that you're leaning out more than in. Number five, confess your misdirection of sin then. You know, one of the things we like to do in our Christian lives these days is we like to admit our failure, but we don't want to admit it as sin. You know, yeah, you're right. I I should be reading my Bible more. Because we never say, I'm not reading my Bible. We always say, more. We kind of tag that on the end. I should be reading my Bible more. Yeah, you should be reading it. You should be reading it. But then we get to the place where we at least admit we should be And we admit, I'm wrong, I should be reading my Bible more. And that's where it stops. Can I tell you, you never address sin until you confess it? Do you realize you never overcome a sin in your life until you confess it as sin? Do you know what, we're big about this, aren't we? Those those drunks, those drug addicts need, the first thing they need to do is admit they got a problem, but they don't admit they got a problem, they can't get any help. Here we are as Christians running around in our sin. We go around saying, i got a problem. I don't read my Bible. I don't pray like I should do. I struggle with going to church all the time. I have a problem with this. And we never confess it as sin. Never. Now again, I say never, that's wrong. There's probably some that do, and praise God for that. But let's face it, I feel like more and more we've just learned to accept ourselves as failures in those areas. That It's okay, because that's natural. That's normal. It's normal to have sin in your life. It's normal to struggle with going to church, reading your Bible and praying. Everybody struggles with it. Oh, you know everybody? It's funny how we like to do that too. Everybody's got their sin. Everybody struggles with reading. Everybody. Really? Why don't you worry about you and let me worry about me Why don't we all just worry about how God sees us? Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, my strength and my Redeemer. When I compare myself to Jesus Christ, I fall miserably short. And yet, we're so quick to dismiss our failures or our folly or our sin as just being natural normal. I'm telling you, if you're leaning, you're going to fall sooner or later. And like Eutychus, if you're leaning out more than you're leaning in, it's not going to be good. Admit, but then confess your misdirected misdirection of sin. Ask for his forgiveness. Because it is sin when we lean out instead of in. When we are leaning away from the light instead of toward it, my friend, that is sin. Because if there is one issue that... If there's one thing that is the epitome of the atomic nature, it's this. I don't need God. That is the essence of the sin nature. Everything else is a result of the fact that I, can, I don't need him. So when we're leaning away, that is sin, my friend. And we need to confess it as sin. Then number six, shift your weight. Okay, I've come to the place where I have asked the question and I've come to a conclusion. I've compared my past with my present. I realize that I'm not where I was. I'm not where I should be then. I'm leaning the wrong direction. I, I admit that to myself and to God and now I confess it as sin. Shift your weight. Lean more toward God. You know, we would call that, in biblical terms, repentance. We don't repent today either. See, we all know we fall short, and we're very quick to admit that. And somehow in admitting that, we feel justified. But we don't want to confess it as sin because then it makes us look bad, even to ourselves, because our pride says we're really good people down deep. Oh, really? And then when it gets to this part, well, I just struggle. You know what? Did you try to get up this morning? How'd you do? Well, I hit the snooze a couple times. Did you get up this morning? You did. Oh, let me ask you something. I hope this is true. Did you try to clean up before you came to church? I hope so. Did you try to actually get here? I won't say on time. Did you try to get here? Yes, you did. And how'd that work out? You did. It seems to me that everything you put your mind to, everything you really try to do, you do. I'll try. If you really mean that, and you say, I'll try to stop leaning out and instead lean toward an end, then you will. And then let me kind of finish this and end this by kind of building on that thought for a moment. Sure up your foundation. Okay, I'm going to lean more toward God. Okay, I've made up my mind. How, kind of how do I do that a little bit? I guess that's what I'm saying. Well, sure up your foundation. Stand on his word. Man, I mean to tell you, in order to stand on it, though, you're going to have to know what's in it. Stand on his word. Take those promises and believe those promises and apply those promises and stand on those promises. Boy, the world is shifting sand. But God's word is a sure foundation. Stand on his word. Then submit to his ways. You make the word of God a priority in your life. You make it a priority in your marriage. You make it a priority in in your own home. And then you submit to his ways now. If he reveals truth to me, I'm going to apply it. I'm not going to simply be a hearer. I'm going to be a doer of the word. And finally, surrender to his will. Let's bring glory and honor to God. Let's please him with all of our essence. That's really the will of God. And then there's the plan of God, obviously, that's different for all of us and the direction he'd have us travel, the ministries he'd have us involved in. I understand that. But the will of God, let's make it our goal, our purpose to bring glory to God and to please him with our existence. Surrender to his will and to his plan, whatever that may be. Stand on his word, submit to his ways, surrender to his will. On December of 2001, the Leaning Tower of Pisa was finally reopened to the public. It had been closed for almost 12 years. During that time, engineers completed a $27 million renovation project designed to stabilize that particular tower. Now, you've studied probably uh, certain things in our world, and you've learned about the Leaning Tower of Pisa. I mean, it stands here and it leans. And every year it's leaning a little more and a little more and a little more. And so they shut it down and they began a renovation project on it. They moved 110 tons of dirt and reduced its famous lean by about, and I don't, I've i got to look into this again because I'm concerned I might have wrote something wrong. But my, from what I read and what I, I, from what I copied, it said 16 inches. I don't know about that. Is it 16 feet or 16 inches? I'm going to be honest with you. I was going to have somebody fact-check me up here. So I'm just going to tell you before you do, and call me a -A L-I-A-R. We don't say that word (laughs) dirt. Wait, a L-I-A-R. I (laughs) I misspelled it. Isn't that terrible? Liar. Okay, so anyway, I'm just not good at uh, math. Okay, spelling. (laughs) Well, I'm really off here. So they removed this 110 tons of dirt, and they reduced its famous lean. They say by about 16 inches. Now, I've got to believe that. Now, Why was this necessary? Why, Why was it necessary? Because the tower had been tilting further and further and further every single year. I mean, it's 185 feet tall. And it had been 17 feet further south than the bottom. And they thought to themselves, if we don't do something about this now, it's going to fall. Was the problem bad design? Was it poor workmanship? Was it an inferior grade of marble? No, not at all. The problem was that its foundation stones had been laid on soft ground, things like clay, fine sand, and shells. How important is the foundation? You know what? It's the difference between standing and falling. And if you're leaning today, it is just a matter of time before you fall. You better shore up the foundation. And you better just fix the lean. If I'm going to fall, I want to fall into the arms of Jesus. If I'm going to fall, I want to fall closer to the will of God. I don't want to be leaning out and fall out of His will. Eutychus when he hit the ground I can only imagine the horror in his mother's heart I can only imagine his brothers and sisters and maybe even a daddy that was there hearing the cry as he fell three stories and then and then as people started making their way out the, the just their heart sunk into their stomach and they just knew oh my, I hope he's alive I hope he's okay oh no, oh no I told him to stay away from that window as they got there the worst had come to pass he was dead you know you're leaning out and you fall don't think for a moment you're the only one that'll be affected there's so many others that'll be hurt by it so many others that'll be disappointed so many others whose hearts will break I wonder which way are you leaning because the way you're leaning will determine which way you fall And whether we want to admit it or not Difficult times are coming, and so to speak, they're going to trip us up. We better make sure we're leaning the right way so we fall closer to Jesus and into his arms and not out of his will. Father, we come to you. Help us, Lord, to take steps to correct the lean. May we be honest with ourselves and stop making excuses. Father, it's so, so vital, so important that as believers we make a decision to lean toward you in the light. Father, today there may be those in our midst who don't even know Christ as their Savior. The Bible says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. For God sent not a son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. He that believeth on him is not condemned, but he that believeth not is condemned already because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. If you're here today and you've never put your personal faith and trust in Christ, you've never admitted that you're a sinner before a holy God and that you need Christ and only he, only he alone can save you, forgive you and wash you from your sin then you need to do that today because let me tell you, you haven't come to the light then. I know there's all kinds of lights in the world, but there's only one, and that's Jesus who can save you from your sin and deliver you from an eternal destination called hell. Today, you need to leave that seat when the music begins to play, come forward and let someone take a Bible and show you how you can know without a doubt you're on your way to heaven, how you can receive Christ, the light into your life and begin to travel a road that leads not only to heaven, but leads to prosperity in Jesus Christ. Father, bless us now in this time of invitation. Be glorified in it. In Christ's name, amen. Let's all stand, every head bowed, every eye closed as the music.